Right, church, and if you all would, you can go ahead and turn to Leviticus chapter 9. Just a recap, we've been going through the instructions, right? Uh, Leviticus is very vivid in its imagery of, of the sacrifices of animals. Um, it's, it's very odd to us in 2023. Um, but it's so important, as, as I stated um, this morning in the call to worship, that we prepare our hearts and our minds for, for worship, right? Uh, we do not dictate what worship is. We don't define what worship is. Um, worship is defined by God. Amen? We all understand that, that worship is defined by God. Uh, God is the creator of all things, and he's telling us how he wants to interact with us. Leviticus is all about us um, uh, sinful people being able to be back in the presence of God because that's what God intended all along was for us to, to dwell with him and to enjoy this creation church that he created for us and for his glory um, and that in our enjoyment of it he may be glorified. So God is defining all things and as he's redeeming his people back to himself and back into his presence, he's defining what worship looks like. And this may seem odd to us, but this is their worship, right? We have the Lord's Day where we gather, but, and, and we know from Romans 12 that Paul says to present your lives, uh, yourselves, your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable to the Lord in your spiritual worship. Well, this was their worship. And sure, they worship through their, their deeds and through word and, and many other actions, but this was a form of worship through these offerings. And this is something, though it may be odd, church, if we lived in this time, we have to ask ourselves, if we're followers of Christ, would we have been obedient to this Levitical law? And the answer should follow along because we know that even though we're really far apart from it now, um, the answer should be yes, that we would follow along because we know that God defines worship, not ourselves. So when we prepare our hearts and our minds for worship, what we should be doing and we should be doing now is praying that God would show us the truth from his word and that he would um, conform us from the inside out into the likeness of his son, our savior, who is perfect and the perfect sacrifice, who bore our sins and gave us life. Amen? Amen. I think it would be fitting now to just pray before we read the word and just pray that God would just work in our hearts and, and just teach us his truth this morning. Father God, we come to you humbly this morning, praying earnestly that you would work in us and through us for your glory. God, would you prepare our hearts for your word this morning? As we read a little bit of a lengthy text, God, I pray that we would not become distracted, but we would be focused by the working of your spirit to be focused on your word. And Lord, that you would jump off the pages at us this morning. God, would you um, exalt the name of Jesus over our lives and over all creation? And may we uh, be submissively obedient um, to you and your word this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Leviticus 9 verse 1 picks up and says this. I'm going to read the whole chapter, so bear with me. And remember, let's stay focused on God and his word, his holy word this morning. It says, On the eighth day, Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel and said to Aaron, Take for yourself a bull calf for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, both without blemish, and offer them before the Lord. And say to the people of Israel, Take a male goat for a sin offering, a ram for a calf and a lamb, to sacrifice before the Lord and a grain offering mixed with oil, for today the Lord will appear to you. And they brought what Moses commanded in front of the tent of meeting, and all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. And Moses said, This is the thing that the Lord commanded you to do, that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. 
Then Moses said to Aaron, draw near to the altar and offer your sin offering and your burnt offering and make atonement for yourself and for the people and bring the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord has commanded. So Aaron drew near to the altar and killed the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself. And the sons of Aaron presented the blood to him and dipped his finger in the blood and put it on the horns of the altar and poured out the blood at the base of the altar. But the fat in the kidneys and the long lobe of the liver from the sin offering he burned on the altar as the Lord commanded Moses. The flesh and the skin he burned up with the fire with fire outside the camp. Then he killed the burnt offering, and Aaron's sons handed him the blood, and he threw it against the sides of the altar, and they handed the burnt offering to him, piece by piece, and, he, and the head, and he burned them on the altar. And he washed the entrails and the legs and burned them with the burnt offering on the altar. Then he presented the people's offering and took the goat of the sin offering that was for the people and killed it and offered it as a sin offering like the first one. And he presented the burnt offering and offered it according to the rule. And he presented the grain offering, took a handful of it, and burned it on the altar besides the burnt offering of the morning. Then he killed the ox and the ram and the sacrifice, but the peace offerings for the people. And Aaron's sons handed him the blood, and he threw it against the sides of the altar. But the fat pieces of the ox and of the ram, the fat tail, and that, and that which covers the entrails and the kidneys and the long lobe of the liver, they put the fat pieces on the breast. And he uh, burned the fat pieces on the altar. But the breast and the right thigh Aaron waved for a wave offering before the Lord, as Moses commanded. Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. And he came down from, the offering, from offering the sin offering and burnt offering and peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. And when they came out, they blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. That's God's word for us this morning, church. Let us be in an attitude of prayer. Father God, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would just show us that in this, uh, the first go of these offerings, God, it shows us the obedience that your people must have. God, we need to be submissive. Um, and God, that's a tough word. That's, that's difficult for us to hear. Submission is, is wrongfully used and, and thrown out and, and abused and held over people to domineer them and just control them. Um, but God, you're not a controlling God. You are a God who is in all control, um, God, and, and you tell your people to be faithful uh, to you. So God, as you've been faithful to save us, Lord, I pray that as we read this text, your word and your word alone, God, that we would see that we should be obediently submissive to you, but praise be to you who sent your son to die for us, that we are forgiven past, present, and future. But God, not that we continue the sin, but we draw near to you with that assurance of forgiveness, living out the word that you've called us to live. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. All right, so you see, this is, it's a lot of the same stuff, right? Um, it's a lot less uh, verses than uh, a week or a few weeks ago. Uh, so we read it all, but this is so important because you get all of these instructions, right? We have a lot of instructions in the New Testament, but now you have to see it played out. You have to see God's people begin to actually follow through with what God has commanded. We are not called merely to, to just listen uh, to God, but to be obedient to God's commands. So point number one, as we look at chapter nine, is to be a worshiper, we must be submissive. Point number one, to be a worshiper, we must be submissive. So I want to start out just with a question. 
for us to think about, right? What do you think of worship? When I say worship, what do you think of? What's like the thing that just comes to the front of your mind? You don't have to say it out loud. I'm not looking for that. But I do want us to really think about this and not just wait for the next words to come out of my mouth, right? What do you think of when you hear worship? You see, many of us, uh, we think, we tend to think music. Uh, We jump to music. Um, but think of worship as, as a whole, right? The, the big picture, what worship really is, because it's not limited to music. I've even heard uh, Nelson describe himself as the song leader of our church, right? We say worship leader, and I'm totally comfortable with that, right? Um, and in that sense, we're all worship leaders, right? We're all to, to lead the church and, and worship um, in some way, shape, or form um, to, to lead in that sense. We're to be worshipers, right? But how would, you, how would you define worship? Or rather, how would you define good worship? That's something I see if, if you all are on Med- Medina Moms Discuss It, right? It's always like, where's the good stuff, right? Like, where's, where's the good church that has all the good things? And it's like, I, I, I understand. We, we are a very uh, consumer-driven kind of culture, right, where we're looking for who has the best of the best, and it's not something that you can fault any one person over because it's a culture that, that we as a whole and the church uh, leading the charge a lot of the times has, has created, so when we ask this question, how would you define worship or good worship, this is where we should pause, right? This is where we should take a second and really begin to think about this question and dig in a little bit. Because our answer should always be to, to what is worship or what is good worship. Our answer should be God defines what worship is and how it should be done, and that I submit to. Now, that's, that doesn't really say like what worship is, right? Worship is praising God and following God and being obedient to God. But we have to have this answer first and foremost. If you're looking for a church, many of you all may be here and you're, you're looking for a church. Uh, many of you all may um, leave this church someday and, and go and look for another church. You have to, when you step into uh, the house of God, is start to ask yourself, what is this church's focus? Is it on the word of God and being obedient to the word of God? Um, because in doing so, God is glorified and Jesus is exalted something different. Is it about Jesus plus this? And this is something, church, that no one should feel alone or like on an island with. Many of us have, have done this and are still doing this, uh, but this is where we need to begin to conform to God's word and understand that God is the one who defines what worship is and how it should be done and that we should submit to that. Now, we have preferences, amen? Like, we, we all have preferences. Uh, some of us, we can't listen to certain preachers. I love John Piper, but I can't listen to him, right? I can read him all day. Um, but I can listen to him in the sense that I know that that brother is, is preaching truth, and when I listen, I know that I'm getting the word of God, and I'm gonna receive something because he's preaching the word of God faithfully, and I, I trust that he's devoted his life uh, to the preaching and the proclamation right of God's word. But we have our preferences, but we should not dictate or base our decisions on worship in regard to those preferences. Uh, for example, if you go to a church, or if you've been to a church and the sermon was from the word, you felt that, that was great, you learned something, you felt like you were growing in that message, but you get out and you get to the car and you ask your kid, and you say, hey, how, how was church for you? And they say, it's not as fun as the other church that we went to. Um, you shouldn't immediately quit going. I'm sure that we've all had that experience. Um, we, we started this church in 2017, so it's all fresh. And at the very beginning, it was just like Aubrey and I like doing a lot. And then Maylee would go to another church and their kids' ministry has so much. And it's like, that really hurts because like we started fresh, right? Like, you don't understand. Your mom's working really hard. We shouldn't just quit. We shouldn't just up and abandon if you go to a church and love the message because it's rooted in scripture, but the music had a, a super cool guitarist, like, you shouldn't immediately um, and you're like I don't want that loud guitar in, in the church you shouldn't 
immediately leave. Now, there's times where those things can become a distraction and a hindrance for sure. And those preferences become a little bit more than just a preference, and it's a distraction from what should take precedence on the Lord's day, that's God's word, and then you start to figure it out. Leviticus is odd, amen? Amen. Amen. Leviticus is odd. Your pastor will say that. It's odd. We read it, and it's just, it's difficult. What was going on is difficult. But this is where the heart needs to change, where we're preparing our hearts and we're being submissive to God, because it was God who commanded his people to worship in this way. It was, it was how God commanded his people to worship, and to them it wasn't weird. In fact, they were obedient to doing it, because if you look at, at what it says over and over, it says, they did as the Lord commanded them. Verse 6 of Leviticus 9, it says, and Moses said, so he's telling the people, he says, this is the thing that the Lord commanded you to do, that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. So if Leviticus and the sacrificial system was all about being back into the presence of God, Moses is telling them, this is what God commanded so that his glory may appear. So if you want to be near to God, then you need to be near to God by being obedient and submissive to his word. That's what we need to do. If we are to be worshipers, we need to be submissive to God. So when I say submissive, I'm not saying be submissive to the pastor's teacher because this is his word, but rather he is the teacher and he uses pastors and church. He uses you to proclaim the truth of his word to all people, right? That's a command. Psalm 96 verses eight and nine says this, bring an offering and come into his courts, worship the Lord and the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. This just shows us the glory of God and that we are to uh, worship in the splendor of holiness. And we know that holiness is, is God. God is holy. And we should be holy as the Lord our God is holy. We are to worship him as his word commands. Right? His word teaches us how we ought to worship. And that's what they're doing here. That's what they're doing here. See, worship is changed by method. Um, it continues to do that. Um, the, the way the style of music has changed, the way that we do some outreach has changed, um, right? And it changed from Old Testament to New Testament, and like I said, it's continuing. But the meaning has remained the same, right? For the, for the true capital C church, the meaning has remained the same. The gospel is that sinners are being reconciled to God by faith in Christ and repentance of their sins, right? We repent of our sins and believe in Jesus and we're saved, right? The Bible makes that very, very clear. But it looks a little bit different. We're not doing um, all of these sacrifices anymore because there was a perfect sacrifice made for us. See, Tony Marita, he makes this simple yet important connection for us. He says this, he says, worship was the pattern, worship him in spirit and truth, church in the New Testament. Jesus said that God the Father is seeking people to worship him in spirit and truth. That's from John 4.23. says, Tony Marita says, In heaven, God's will is done perfectly, and heaven is a place of worship. Jesus told us to pray this, Matthew 6.10. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So church, we need to be worshipers. And the only way that we're going to be worshipers of God is if we are submissive to his word, right? Because his word dictates everything. It's, it's an instruction book for his people, not an instruction book to be disregarded, tossed to the side, feeling like we have some kind of other self-help and, and, and way and path. No, we need to understand from God's word that he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
That's what he says. And then in the Great Commission, he tells us to go and to teach them all that he's commanded. That's Genesis to Revelation. All of it. That we are to teach people this truth. Because God is telling us how we ought to live and act and breathe in our everyday life. And not only that, but when we come to church, the gathering of the saints, which is, which is a command. So praise be to God for our obedience today to, to be here, to get up this morning, and to come and to worship him with the saints here in Medina. And we pray for the saints elsewhere in Medina that they would exalt the name of Jesus this morning also. But Jesus, God, has defined how we ought to, says lift up what we ought to do. He has them to the Lord, saying, of the Lord, proclaim his word, exalt the name of Christ, and then go, go and make disciples. As we leave here, we go and we make disciples. We go and evangelize. We go and, and share meals. We fellowship. We're hospitable to others, not just our friends, but also our enemies. So our worship church is not to be determined with earthly eyes, with man's motivation, or anything other than submissiveness to godliness, to be submissive to godliness, nothing else but to God and to God alone. Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 14 says this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Paul makes it so clear that we gather and we are transformed, we are conformed by the preaching, by the proclamation of God's word each and every Lord's day and through the week as we do life together so that we may grow into maturity. And the only way we do that is if we are submissive people to God and his word. Point number two, to, be, to worship, we need a mediator. To worship, we need a mediator. This is something that they needed in the Old Testament. Those were the priests. The priests were the mediator. They represented the people to God and God. They'd make the offering. They'd say, hey, this is what God says. They'd go to God and they'd say, hey, this is an offering for the people. They'd make the offering uh, of sin, a sin offering, a peace offering, um, uh, an offering of thanksgiving to God. They would do all of these things representing the people of God. And they had to have that to be able to worship. You need some kind of mediator to be back into the presence of God. And that's what the priest's job was. And we see it begin uh, to carry out here in Leviticus 9. The people were bringing their offering, but the offering was offered up by the priest, right? No other person could go um, into certain places of this uh, tent of meeting, which is the tabernacle on wheels. No one else could do that unless they were the priest. They were set apart for this job. Leviticus uh, 9, verses 6 through 9. I want to read this again. It says, And Moses said, This is the thing that the Lord commanded you to do, that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. Then Moses said to Aaron, Draw near to the altar and offer your sin offering and your burnt offering and make atonement for yourself and for the people and bring the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord has commanded. So Aaron drew near to the altar and killed the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself. So he starts with himself, right? The priest also needed a sacrifice because they were also sinful people. And we come out of chapter 8 uh, where, where they have a seven-day period. They offer up the first offerings to, to be consecrated to this work, this 24-7 uh, work that they were going to do for the people, uh, on behalf of the people, to God. 
So they go through that, and then they turn here, they still make a sacrifice, and put it on the horns of the altar, and poured out the blood at the base of the altar. And he's saying, do what the Lord commanded you to do. Aaron is following through, and he mediates, and then begins to make the sacrifices on behalf of the people. And the reason that there was a need for a mediator is that we are sinful people, and we cannot interact with God how we interact with one another. See, we're all sinful. We, we, we go through the, the same steps and know no one's walked a mile in your shoes. Yes, we all know that, right? Everybody has said that at some point in their life. Uh, no one has done that. But Jesus indeed has, right? And because of him, we can now, through Jesus, draw near to the Father each and every day when you wake up as you're sleeping, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're doing, let it be to the glory of God, for the glory of God is within you and working through you to display that glory. The mediator was simple. They needed that. And the priests, they could do this. They could draw near into the presence of God because they had been consecrated and thus set apart for this 24-7 duty. It was their job. And even their sin did not allow for them to see God in his fullness. Isn't that crazy? They still didn't get to see God in his fullness. There was uh, the high priest who could, who could go in, but there was still a little bit of separation. And that's how holy God is. We've hit on this already, and we shall continue to do so, and all of us should continue to think about this every day through our life, and don't be led into despair, but draw near to God through this truth, is that God is holy and we are sinful, right? Therefore, we need a mediator. It's not an if, and, or maybe. So when you're feeling inadequate, you don't feel equipped for the work, look to the God who is equipping you for the work, empowering you for the work, and sending you to do the work. But the only way we're going to get there first is by being submissive to the word and then looking to our mediator. The word is telling us that we do have a mediator, right? We need it. It separates us. Sin just separates us. We don't get to see the face of God. We recently recently had uh, Maylee flat out lie to us, right? She's turning seven uh, this month and no, you all don't need to like worry if you like see Maylee like hopping through the hallway, like don't back up. She's not evil. She's just sinful, right? She's sinful like all of us. I don't think she was uh, trying to be evil, um, trying to even be disobedient. No, selfish, yes, absolutely. And Aubrey and I, we both felt this betrayal. We were driving and like we caught her up in this line. You could just see it on her face. And Aubrey like looked back and she's like, I can't, I can't even look at you right now. Like it's, it's so sad that like our little child was like beginning to lie to us. And we felt this betrayal and this frustration that there was this moment that required us. We got home and we said, Maylee, we need a, a moment apart. You need to go to your room and we need to think this through real quick. And she goes away and, you know, like she's just kind of like, kind of like peeking and trying to like figure out what's going on, what's, what's going to happen, what's her punishment. And her sister comes down and we like, don't, don't send your sister. She's not your mediator right now. Like we need to think this through. That's what sin does. You can look at your friend Does our sin separate us from the holy God, holy and just God? Again, time to reiterate another important fact to us this morning is that mediation is required, but your mediator is no longer a man, but rather the God-man, Jesus. It's no longer you have to go through your pastor. You have to go through uh, your more Christian friend, your more holy friend. Uh, Rather, you get to draw near to God because God now dwells in you by the Spirit. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. 
Church, and it's through our mediator that we are commanded by Scripture. So if we're going to be submissive, listen to this. We're commanded by Scripture to offer up sacrifices continually. You see, the, the, the priests were offering up sacrifices so that they could draw near to God again. But because we are near to God, we are to now offer up sacrifices continually so that God may receive the glory and that sinners may be drawn near through the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. And church, for any of this to matter, for our worship to take effect, we need God. Point number three. For worship to take effect, we need God. God has to be a part of the picture here. God has to be within our worship. He has to be the front and center of everything that we do. Levitan of meeting, and when they came out, they blessed us. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting, and when they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Like, what an amazing moment where you receive all of these instructions, and again, it seems so weird, and you do it, and it worked. Like, you all remember that, that time when you first, like, you were praying, maybe you, when the prayer chains were, like, really going hard, like, and you just, all the prayer chains are going out, and then you get the, the news that it worked, and you're like, wow, it worked. It worked. I remember um, my first experience just being a part of a church, my father-in-law's church, and uh, we were praying for a, a lung transplant for the, the, the one kid, and we were praying, and, and that morning we were like, we're going to set up a prayer chain. If you want your number on it, go ahead and put it here. And then if, if something happens and we think he's going to get a lung transplant, we're going to start praying and we'll send this out. It wasn't by lunchtime. We were already getting the text messages that this 17-year-old was now on the list and he was going to get a lung and he was going to have the transplant. And we were praying and praying and now he's still living. And it was like amazing to me. And it's like, wow, when you're submissive and you look to God's word and you see what God's word says and you see it happen, you're just amazed. And it says, and just a little bit, when they saw God consume the fire, it says that they shouted and fell on their faces. They were amazed. But church, none of that can happen if we don't make God the most crucial element of our worship. We have to do that. They did this faithfully. They, they knew that this was going to work. I mean, I'm sure that there were some skeptics outside. Hey, is this going to happen? Like, we've been pretty terrible. Like, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything for us either. And then it works, and God shows up. Because God always shows up when they were faithful, when we were faithful, when we were submissive to his word. You see, they had received these instructions, but had they not followed through in submissive obedience, God's presence would not be there. Now, it's crazy. We're like, God is everywhere, right? Yes, amen. Where two or three are gathered, right? That's talking about church discipline. He's there, right? But if we don't make God the center, if our motivation is not God, if it's not to the glory of God, it's useless. There was one time um, I had a, a coffee pop up. And what I mean by that is I have like a, a mobile espresso machine and I was taking it to an event and I was going to sell coffee on a little table and um, just make a little bit of money. And that's how like all of this, this endeavor started. And I was really new to it, and I get there, like I get everything in the back of the car, I've got the table, I've got my espresso machine, I've got the coffee grinder, I've got the tamper uh, and all the tools to go with it. I got my microfiber cloths to like wipe everything down. Um, I've got everything, and even a little bit of like swagger that morning. I'm just feeling, I'm ready to go make some money. And I get there, I get everything set up, 
and I go to look for my coffee beans, you know, something you need to serve coffee, and I said, where is my coffee? It's on the kitchen table at home. And you see, church, we can have all of the tools, we can have all of the elements that we need, but if we do not have the most crucial piece, it's pointless. Nothing is going to happen there. Going on. We can have all the ingredients. Church can have all the instructions, the elements. We can have the Lord's table. We can have baptisms going on. We can have all the ingredients, pretend and claim to be the church. But if we've left God behind, we're going nowhere. Yes. How can we, the people of God, do such a thing? Some of you all may be thinking, have we? I'm not saying we have. I'm just saying that right here, it's obviously the most important thing is that they needed to follow through being submissive, being obedient to God, looking to their mediator to go in. Hey, mediator, make sure you make the sacrifice on your behalf. Go before the Lord and, and represent us. It can happen pretty easily. We can fall into seasons of this. Some of the ways are by not preparing our hearts for worship. Right? Do we prepare our hearts and minds before we come here to church on Sunday mornings? Do we pray in the car with our families? And church, no, I don't every Sunday. I don't. Honestly, there's a lot of times where I get in the car and I'll put on classic rock and roll uh, driving the church because guess what? That's how I grew up, right? So it's natural to get in the car and put on ACDC, highway to you know what, and not even think about it. And I'm like listening to it and I'm like, these are not the things that I, I want to be doing. Is there a time and place to listen to some classic rock? Absolutely, for sure. Listen to, to some uh, classic rock and roll, right? But are we preparing our hearts and minds before we come? Are we praying that God would teach us something before we come to church? Another way that it can happen is by not hearing from God's word humbly, but rather from a familiar. Another way can of us have been there. We've heard John 3.16 so many times, we couldn't learn another thing about it. So we don't listen. Another way it can happen is by not repenting when wrongs have been made and so on. Right? That when we, we have done something wrong and we just kind of brush it under the rug... It'll fester, and then we start to wonder, where's God? But we realize, by brushing it under the rug, that we've put God there also. Because if we don't care about repenting, then we really, what we're saying is we don't care about God, because we don't care about his holiness. Yes. God may even do this to his church, make us at times feel alone that we may recognize that something is off and it's not God who's off, it's us. See, if God continued as though nothing was wrong, he'd be a liar and an unhelpful Lord, but that he is not. He's not doing that. Consider the warning that Jesus gives in Matthew. He says, you hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, the people honors me with their lips, but their hearts, heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. See, church, not all worship is upright. And that is the exact worship that God is establishing here in Leviticus. So in doing these weird rituals and, and offerings, they were being obedient and glorifying God in their obedience. He was redeeming them back into his holy presence so that they may be able to faithfully and rightfully them again. Because Leviticus 9.24, they didn't start the fire, God did. It says, and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Church, when we submissively worship him through our mediator, church, he's pleased. God is pleased 
with you this morning for being here. He's pleased with you when you turn to him and pray in the good times and in the bad times. Ben, if you want to come back up, I want to end here with some application. So ask yourselves these things, and this isn't like trouble time, right? But just ask yourself and, and just do a little heart check. Would you say today that God is pleased with your worship? Not just here this morning, right, but like through your daily worship. See, we know our worship is all of our being, everything that we do. The New Testament makes that even more clear. That everything that we do ought to be done to the glory of God. Now, would we be honest with ourselves about where our heart is in our worship? Is it about programs or about sound truth and our commitment to growth in it? See, what if, church, this week we just took time to like really look into Paul's words in Romans 12 and we made our lives a living sacrifice by preparing our hearts for worship not just on the Lord's Day, but I'm talking about worship tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday when we're going to worship through fellowshipping together at the Durgy House. That's a cajon and leave mine here because uh, it's not cool enough. And I don't know what all is going to happen at, at the Durgy House, but it's worship when we gather together and we fellowship. That's an act of worship by submitting to God's way of worship, by drawing near to the Father through our mediator, Jesus, and by knowing that God is pleased by this, are we going to go and share the joyful news of the gospel message by serving sinners and calling them to faith and repentance in the Lord? Are we going to do that? And if you can answer yes, then I would say yes, God is pleased with your worship. But if it's no, it's time to, to figure that out. If you're a believer, then turn to the, the word in which you found life. And if you're not a believer this morning, there is word and it's full of life. He says that he came so that those who repent and believe may have life and have it abundantly. That's what he came to do. Amen. So let us stand. Let's sing of our Lord and to our Lord of his goodness. Let's worship him. Uh, maybe it's a time of, of prayer for, for you and, and you want prayer, you need prayer. Um, you can come find me. You can pray where you're at. You can just sing whatever it is. But church, this is worship and it is to God. It's of God. It's not about us. It's about what he did for us on our behalf. Father God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Lord God, I pray that this week we would be reminded that we worship everywhere we go. We ought to worship you in everything that we do. And everything that we do, you ought to receive the glory. God, may we glorify you in it all. God, would you just remind us that you are pleased? You're not pleased with our sin, but God, you've not left us in despair, but rather you've come to dwell inside of us, your believers. You've made us the temple. So God, would you just show us your truth and tell us, Tell us the hard truth that we've got to be obedient and submissive to it or nothing's going to happen. The fire's not going to come out. You're here, but we just need to see it. God, show your face this morning. Remind us of, of your presence for you are with your people here and now and where we go. Father God, we love you. We praise you and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.